All right, we will uh, we'll pray and then we'll get started in our study tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we Lord, we're thankful for this time that we have, this time that we can come together as brothers and sisters and we can fellowship and we can Father, sit under our teaching and learn together. Um, Father, we're thankful for Dr. Beakey and his work in putting this study together, Lord, and his faithfulness to that. Um, Father, we're thankful tonight for the, the praise we've heard of um, Jacob and, and how he's doing well and going back to school. So, Father, we pray that you would continue to, to be with him as he he heals and um, he goes back. Lord, we um, we do pray tonight for um, Ann and for the, the test results that, that they're waiting on the biopsy. Father, we pray uh, for those that are, are looking at that and evaluating it. Lord, we pray for um, the health care workers and doctors that are involved. And um, Lord, just for that whole situation, we pray that your spirit would minister to them in a very uh, special way during this time. And Father, we we pray tonight also that your spirit would come, Lord, and you would teach us tonight. You would um, open our minds to understand and our hearts to receive and, and to believe the truth. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So tonight, we're going to continue on in our study on the assurance of faith. And um, we've been working our way through the, uh, the 18th chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, that, that's all about having assurance of faith. And we've looked at uh, paragraphs 1 through 3 uh, in previous weeks. And tonight we're going to look at, at paragraph 4 and we're going to look at uh, the idea of renewing assurance. So um, if we've had assurance and then we lose it, how do we renew and regain that assurance of faith? And so when we start looking at this uh, paragraph, the confession begins it by saying, True believers may have the assurance of their salvation shaken diminished and interrupted in different ways. So this is just kind of an acknowledgement that true believers, sincere believers in Christ, can, can vacillate in their level of assurance. And, and the confession also it points to two reasons for this. Uh, change or, or even loss of assurance of faith in the heart and the mind of a true believer. Um, the first reason that it looks at has to do with causes within the believer. So it's something within us or the result of something that we have done uh, that results in a loss of assurance about our faith. And this is by far the most common of, of the two reasons that we're going to look at tonight for Loss of assurance. And so the, the confession says that, that this might 
happen, a believer might lose assurance by negligence in preserving the assurance or by falling into some special sin which wounds the conscience and grieves the spirit. Um, we go back and look at, at men that have, have gone through history and especially the Puritans and, and their writings and their thoughts on these things. And um, Puritan Anthony Burgess, he, um, he said that a believer might lose assurance in, in kind of three ways. Uh, first, he said, we, we deeply feel the guilt of our sin. And when we do this, we tend to look upon God as one who will take vengeance rather than forgive us. When we're confronted with the reality of what our sin is, is we tend to think this way. Secondly, um, we know that Satan hates assurance and he'll do everything he can to, to keep doubts and fears alive within us so that we don't have it. Thirdly, and this is the most, most common one, he would say, is the hypocrisy of our hearts and the carelessness of our living that hinders our assurance. Again, I think we can all, if we've been believers for some amount of time, we can identify with this. We know God's law. We know when we have have lived and acted contrary to God's law. We know um, when we failed. When we, um, something we, we should do that we haven't done, or something we should not have done that we have. And so, when we look at our own hearts and we see that, and and we're living kind of with this fact that we've been born again, and yet we're still engaging in in this sin, and it leads us to question our salvation, and it leads to a lack of assurance in our faith. Um, The word that's commonly used a lot of times to talk about uh, going into error in the Christian life is the word backsliding. Um, we hear that a lot. Uh, Dr. Beakey said this about backsliding. He said, as common as it is dreadful, backsliding is a God-dishonoring, Christ-rejecting, spirit-grieving, law-trampling, gospel-abusing sin. In other words, this is a serious thing. It's not something which we, we should take an apathetic or flippant view. Right? This, is, this is serious. And in this lesson, Dr. Beakey, uh, he does such an excellent job of kind of laying out and walking us through this progression and, and how this might take place in the heart and the life of a believer. And so I would I just tonight I wanted to walk you kind of through that. I don't know that I can illustrate it any better Um, than he did. And so this is what he said. When you find someone that is is backsliding or or going backwards, often it begins with a loss of interest and a loss of enjoyment in individual prayer, in private prayer. We no longer want to be alone with God. We no longer thrive in being alone with Him and pouring out our soul to Him. Often how it starts. Then we we pull away from individual study of Scripture. We're no longer digging into the Word. 
Perhaps there's a waning interest in the preaching of the Word. Perhaps we're less committed to gospel-centered fellowship with fellow believers. We're not as quick to confess Christ before others and we, we lose our passion to evangelize the lost. You see how, how this thing's kind of building and, and going down and down. And then there's this general, very general inward kind of coldness to spiritual disciplines. Disciplines of, of prayer and reading the Word and fasting and meditation and memorization and service to the local body. So there's just, just this coldness, just and apathy and indifference. We don't really care. And then on the flip side, at the same time, then the things of the world start to become very attractive to us. Those things that, that thrill our hearts and those things that we crave that are against the commands of God. And they, they grab our attention and they entice us. We read in First John there where it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And so we kind of get sucked in. Then we become lazy spiritually, and we become, become sloppy, and we become selfish. We start to indulge in and to tolerate and to no longer really fight against this unrepentant sin in our hearts. You might use entertainment and other attractions of the world that, that stain and harden the heart. We begin to yield to a temptation. We succumb to patterns of disobedience. So now it becomes a pattern. Constantly, steadily in our lives. We fail to examine ourselves rightly. We don't take the time to do this. We don't go to Scripture and, and see what it says and then look at our own hearts and our own minds and compare it with what we find there. And finally, all of this leads to a kind of double life and it no longer earnestly fights against growing inner corruption and even flirts with and engages in secret sins long thought dead and buried it's just it's absolutely tragic and again i thought it was such a an illustrative a graphic way to explain and to articulate what happens when we begin to backslide and begin to fall away from the lord in this way now the, the true believer cannot remain in this state Right? There's got to be a renewal. There, there has to be repentance and a turning and a change of heart to pursue the things of God. And so in a minute, we're going to talk about how that happens and how to go about doing that. And so the, we've, again, we've talked about this first reason that, that a true believer might lose assurance of faith is um, because of those things that are within us, those things that we, that we do or don't do, a lack of spiritual disciplines, a lack of Hunger and thirst for righteousness. The second reason we might lose assurance has to do with um, those causes in God or, or that He brings about. And so this is what the confession states about this. It says that it's possible 
it's possible for some believers to, to lose assurance by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. This idea of God's withdrawal of his countenance. Now this, this gets to be a complex issue. Pretty complex, also somewhat controversial as well. Um, but I think it, it's helpful to understand why these men, like the Puritans, like the authors of the Confession, um, would say something like this. And the reason that they looked at this was out of a, a pastoral heart, a pastoral concern for the people of God that they, they served. So, for example, someone in their congregation might come to them uh, that was deeply struggling with this lack of assurance in their soul. And yet, they were, from everything they could see, they were sincerely seeking to be faithful in the spiritual disciplines. They were seeking to cling to the promises of God that we talked about in Scripture. They were examining themselves and could find no pattern of sin in their lives. And yet, there was still a lack of assurance. And so... Um, these men of God in history started to look to Scripture to see, is there something else, is there something outside of ourselves that would, would lead to a lack of assurance in the heart of the believer? And when they went to Scripture, scripture and they would, would look at places like, um, one place that was mentioned was Isaiah uh, chapter 50, they, they found that there may be times in the life of a believer that God brings about a lack of assurance for his purposes in that person's life. Um, again, Puritan Anthony Burgess, he, he came up with some reasons why the Lord may do this. Um, he wrote that it may be uh, a way that we may uh, taste and see how bitter our sin is. Maybe that God uh, will keep us humble and low in ourselves. Um, third, he said that it might be so that when we have assurance, that we esteem it even more and we take care not to lose it. Um, he said perhaps it's so that we may demonstrate obedience to God and give Him honor even when we lack assurance. And finally, it may be so that we may offer comfort to others in similar distress because we know what it is ourselves to lack assurance. Another way that the, the Lord might bring about a, a struggle with assurance in the heart of the believer is through affliction. Now, affliction is an interesting thing because remember last time we talked about how God can use affliction to, to strengthen Assurance sometimes. But if this experience of affliction is not um, sanctified by clinging to the promises of God in Scripture and by, by driving us deeper into relationship with Him, then a, a lack of assurance can be the result. And so a couple of things to say about this. First of all, um, it's always important when we experience affliction or hardship or suffering in our lives that we flee 
to the promises that God has made to us as His children in the Word. That we read them, that we meditate on them, that we, we trust them in those dark times. Second thing to understand about affliction in our lives is that we, we shouldn't think that it's strange. It's exactly what Peter tells us in uh, chapter 4 of his first epistle. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Thirdly, here we see that believers should appreciate affliction rather than reject them. Because the Lord uses these times to, to awaken us to the fact that we've lost assurance. He allows us to see that we, we've lost assurance and we need to cry out to Him. So then God can then turn around and use those same afflictions to actually increase our assurance. Now, the, again, the, the idea of God bringing about these things for His purposes is a mysterious thing. Uh, that we, we can't fully comprehend what He's doing. Um, the, the Puritans would refer to it as divine desertion. Um, and they would see it often produces the, the dark night of the soul. You might have heard that, that phrase used. And, it's, and they said, that, you know, God may do this for his own wise reasons. And many of those reasons he may actually never communicate to us. Might not know. But we also know of the other attributes of God that he has revealed to us in his word. And the confession in other places draws this out. It talks about God's fatherly discipline, his, his fatherly sovereignty, his fatherly Wisdom. Again, God is completely good and perfectly wise. And so then we can be confident that He works all things together for His own glory and for the good of those that are His. So, two reasons that true believers might struggle with or lose assurance. So, the question is then once believers that have lost this assurance, how is it to be regained? How do they get it back? Well, we talked about earlier how by far the most common reason for loss of assurance has to do with us. It has to do with our sin. We talked about how it begins with our spiritual sloppiness, right? Or our apathy or, and, and backslide. So the way that we gain assurance is to do the opposite of what led to the loss of it. So things like being renewed in prayer, confessing and forsaking our sin, this, having this longing cry in our hearts that the Holy Spirit won't be taken from us, wanting to draw near to Him. And we see an example of this with David after he, he sinned with Bathsheba. And he, he writes in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The idea of, of renewal, going back to him. Um, also wanted to share with you this um, poem from um, a guy named William Cooper. 
His last name actually looks like Cowper, but it's pronounced Cooper. Um, it, it, he expressed this in a poem that he, write, that he wrote called, Oh, for a closer walk with God. And this is what he says. Where's the blessedness I knew when I first sought the Lord? Where's the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I then enjoyed, how sweet their memory still. But they have left an aching void that the world can never fill. Return, O holy dove. Return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Again, it's an incredible way to articulate what, what goes on in the soul and the mind of someone who, who's seeking this renewal of the Lord. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, he talks to the church at Ephesus and he tells them to repent and do the works you did at first. Dr. Beeky says that if, if believers are to renew their assurance of faith, if they're, they want to get this assurance back, then they should review their lives, confess their backsliding, humbly cast themselves upon their covenant-keeping God in gracious promises in Christ once again. It's turning back to Him. One last quote tonight from, from Dr. Beeky, and it's, it's one of encouragement. Um, and he said this about all, all those who are truly believers, who truly are in Christ. So you may have lost your assurance, but you have not lost your sonship. You have not lost the Spirit's commitment to continue to work in you. You may have lost temporary spiritual happiness, the dark night of the soul, but you've not lost guaranteed eternal happiness. Loss of assurance does not equal loss of faith. So we know that God is good. We know that He is faithful. So next week, uh, we'll come back and we'll look at this next lesson that's called The Role of the Holy Spirit in Assurance. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this, this teaching, Lord, the way that um, these things, these men that have gone before us and have written these things down, Lord, we're, we're so thankful for their wisdom, their discernment. Father, the teaching is left. Lord, we pray that you would take it and, and Lord, just implant it in our hearts and our souls. Lord, may we meditate on. Lord, you, who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go, uh, continue throughout this week. Um, Father, you would lead us. You'd guide us. Uh, Father, you would help us towards obedience.